Broadcasting live from inside a sarcophagus, this is The Monstrous Feminine, a podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Zayla, and I'm joined by my mummies, Mila and Louisa. And this month is our Valentine's special, so we're going to be talking about romance and horror. Taya is away for this month's theme, but she'll be back soon. We're covering the 1999 adventure horror film The Mummy, directed by Stephen Summers, the 1999 thriller Audition, directed by Takashi Miike, and the 2013 comedic zombie flick Warm Bodies, directed by Jonathan Levine. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcasts app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In The Mummy, explore Rick O'Connell and Egyptologist Evelyn and a team of archaeologists search for treasure in the ancient city of Haminacha. During this excavation, they accidentally awaken an evil mummy named Imhotep, who was cursed in 1290 BC after having an affair with Pharaoh Seti's mistress, Anuk Sunamun. Imhotep's resurrection unleashes plagues of biblical proportions and will eventually lead to the end of the world if he is not stopped. To add to the peril, Imhotep wishes to use Evie as a human sacrifice to reanimate his lover. Rick, Evie, and her brother must work to find a way to stop Imhotep and end the curse. This isn't the Book of Amun-Ra. This is something else. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. The Book of the Dead? Are you sure you want to be playing around with this thing? It's just a book. No harm ever came from reading a book. That happens a lot around here. Before we decided to do this film, I learned that neither Louisa nor Zeba had seen the mummy and I had to I had to change that I had to rectify that I believe the way that I marketed it <laughs> towards you was that it is a film for bisexuals more in the sense that if you'd seen it in your youth I think it it awakened some feelings in people um I mean it's a hot cast not across the board I'll say that <laughs> Rachel Weiss being the hottest. I don't know about that. Can I just say that um, Patricia Velikus, who plays Anuk Samun, uh, lured me. In she she had she had two minutes, and the rent was due. It was due. She served. It was so good. <laughs> it was giving Queen of the Damned, like how Aaliyah's in that movie for not long enough, but she looks gorgeous and is serving in all the minutes that she gets screen time. Yeah, I agree with that. So I would say that that was certainly the hottest moment for me. However, Rachel Weisz, I 100% agree, is very beautiful. It's unfortunate this, that this is the thin eyebrow era. I'll say that. She doesn't have them in the sequel. And I kind of miss them, honestly. Yeah, I think it suits her face. Okay, well, I think she looks stunning anyway. I mean, if anyone can pull it off, it's her. And um, Anuksa Namun was... I understood why her side piece was willing to sacrifice himself and then wait 3,000 years. It's so romantic, you guys. What a man. I cannot watch things like this because I internalize them into my standards. And it's really detrimental because no one's going to wait 3,000 years for me. 
if you're not willing to be mummified, survive flesh-eating bugs, suffer a curse, and then do the most to revive me from the dead, then why are we even together? Why are we even talking, for that matter? Yeah, you clearly don't even like me. This is not the right crowd to show Brendan Fraser appreciation, but I am a George of the Jungle stan. Sorry, the way that that prompted Zeba to have something to say. We have these little emoticons on screen that you can raise your hand to speak next. And Mila bringing that up means that Zeba immediately shot a hand up, which is amusing to me. Zeba's going to reject my assumption. Both of these films, like uh, Jaws of the Jungle and The Mummy, I just like was obsessed with him. It should be mentioned, obviously, like the horrible abuse he suffered that essentially cut his career short. I think those feelings are shared. I don't think it's an unpopular um, stance to have. Ari, friend of the pod, um, was watching The Mummy with me and also said, to your point, that this was her bisexual awakening as a youth and pointed to each and every character and said, that's mine in a similar manner question to the room I was like is the Brendan Fraser like obsession because I watched George of the Jungle as a child and I did not watch the mummies any of them so I think I need, perhaps needed the mummies for context but I was like is that what it is I'm like is it just George of the Jungle and the mummy and everyone was like yeah that's enough that's enough for him to be beloved amongst many I thought you were going to go down a sort of different route and suggest that fans of Brendan Fraser at their age statistically went on to come out as queer later on in life so in George of the Jungle obviously it's this like Tarzan satire but um there's a scene in it where he's gone back to New York and he's like wearing this billowy white shirt he's running around with horses and all the women in this like event are watching him and are like sighing and I've seen loads of people on TikTok like this is the female gaze which is dumb obviously but there is a certain like softness to him like obviously like in this film we'll get into it like he's a he's um all kinds of toxic masculinity louisa this is what you accuse me of where you, where there's like clearly gay men who are like i'm straight and you're like that's your type i feel like that's this like it's i just like a softer like men are so horrid that like if i'm gonna settle for one you need be soft because otherwise it's just too abrasive. I do send you accusatory TikToks in that manner, but I absolutely only fancied um, queer or queer adjacent men. I mean, me as well. As a youth, when I thought I liked men, that was those were the boys he went for. I'm not putting Brendan Fraser in that category. I don't think he quite is. There's just a certain likability to him. Non-threatening. Yeah. The Monstrous Feminine is on Instagram, so please go leave us a comment or write us a little message. If you engage with our content, you might just get a shout out in our next episode is our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Lena Bean, who tagged us in their story and said, found the horror podcast of my dreams. OMG. So glad you found us. Love when people make their way. It's a niche community, fun community. Glad that you are a part of it. It's amazing to me that people are still discovering us. I always just assume it's like... You assume everybody knows. The same old gang. Wow. Word on the street. Stop. I'm curious how you found us. What led to you here? If you have a valentine, hope that you guys have a grand old time. If you don't, wear your valentines now. Wear your valentines either way. Friendly reminder, we're also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear our cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5, you get all that 
plus a bonus episode. Please support us. Any contribution helps. Okay, so my opinion on this film is I know that you, as you said in the catch-up, Mila, implored us to watch it. And I've seen this film all over TikTok. I'm aware of it being the official bisexual awakening film. I'm just kind of sad because I'd never watched this in the 90s. And I feel, well, in the 2000s, I should say. And I feel like I missed the boat. I don't, it doesn't, I didn't watch. Sometimes I can watch something and be like, yeah, if I was a kid, I would have liked it. And I can feel nostalgia for it, even though I didn't have it or didn't view it in that time. However, I could not feel that way about this film. I was just like, it's annoying. They're annoying. The only, like, good thing that I got from this film was, like, you know, as we said, um, the actresses being attractive. That was all I managed to glean. But I'm not surprised you didn't like it because you don't really like adventure or comedies. Yeah, I was about to say, do you like, like, Indiana Jones or, like, Lara Croft type of situations? Uh, no, I do not, funnily enough. I don't like action films, really, and I don't like comedies. Honestly, they just don't make them like this no more. Like, the the people with your opinion have won out because they just don't do action sequences. Like, it's not meant to be, I don't think, read as, like, campy or goofy or, like, melodramatic. It is now because they don't really make movies like this anymore. But it was especially when I was watching the sequel, I was like, this used to be, like, it. Like, if there was an action movie, it was like, you're doing backflips you're doing turns for no reason people have swords and guns and martial arts and cgi and like capes and it's just like really really dramatic i appreciate that aspect of it in that like in the same way we talk about cgi we're like that's a lost art of doing it like that um especially stage combat and like stuntmen so apparently so i went on it's okay public service announcement it's come to my attention that i don't pronounce imbd correctly and when i say it's come to my attention i mean mila believed me when i wasn't present in the last episode where i was absent from recording i would like to make a public apology for my dumbass <laughs> for every time i've mispronounced the internet movie database acronym which is in fact i am db and for some reason my brain cannot comprehend that when i'm speaking quickly so Sorry for being stupid. I and I've cited I am DB in fact many times incorrectly. But anyway, I have a fun fact about stunts from I am DB, and that is that Brendan Fraser nearly died <laughs> during a scene when his character is hanging. Uh, Rachel Weiss remembered he stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. I mean, it's one of the reasons that like he had to cut his career short is because he was injured doing so many stunts across movies and they don't make them like this anymore in the like practical sense of just how sets are run i was just gonna respond to zapa's point about this is not meant to be done in a campy way and it's more like serious than that despite the fact that it's a comedy and i was gonna say that that kind of threw me when watching it because i was like i i went into this thinking it was a kid's movie and when watching it I was like, I don't think it is a kid's movie. Why was I under the perception that it was? So I, I was having a little bit of trouble placing it because I was like, you're right. It has a lot of like like slapstick comedic elements that are often featured in kids' movies, but I couldn't figure out like where to place this on the action genre. Like, is this trying to take itself seriously as an action film? They were inspired. They wanted Brendan Fraser because A, he was cheaper, but B, because of George in the Jungle and like that kind of element. So I, I was a bit confused. 
it's maybe inaccurate for us to focus on the action part of it. Adventure would be a better genre to like situate it just in terms of like you're you're thinking why is it meant to be serious is it meant to be campy but like loads of american adventure films are so campy very like heavy on the comedy like indiana jones steven spielberg type whimsy that's what i mean i was like well kids can't watch this it would scare them but i was like but it seems very kiddie to me it was always like in pre-production as a horror film and had like horror directors attached to it who I believe one of them was Clive Barker. He did the Hellraiser movies. So Joe Dante was attached to it for a bit. And before that, George A. Romero was brought to it. And he was going to do more of like a Night of the Living Dead zombie take of it. And then it was Joe Dante, who we all know did uh, the Gremlins masterpiece. So icon. That's what made me think like, oh, was this like intended to be (laughs) like horror from the get like more serious horror or action because you're right like I didn't when I was watching it I was like this is like kitty but it's a bit too scary I don't know yeah it suffers from a sort of identity crisis hearing most people like on TikTok who discovered it it's like they very much watched it as a kid pre-teen vibes kind of thing following on from the childhood nostalgia lacking for me I feel like I can forgive problematic elements when I'm personally attached to the film <laughs> When I personally have it in my bank of nostalgic viewing. But because I don't, I just watched it and I was like, I mean, this is just offensive, isn't it? <laughs> like, I was like, this is just bad, isn't it? So it was like really hard for me to be like enjoying it. You know what is so like bonkers about it to me is that, like it is an American movie like through and through. But especially after watching the second one, it so clearly demonstrates the mindset that people had especially like when she's working for the british museum later on like towards egyptology archaeology like that whole field of study like so clearly because when i was a kid that's exactly what i wanted to do when i grew up i wanted to be an archaeologist i wanted to like go on the digs i wanted to discover things i gave up when i found out about you have to know about carbon dating and stuff like that the math escaped me let it be known, Zabe is not a person in STEM. <laughs> yeah, let's make that clear. As far as like the discovery and the action and the adventure of it and the travel, like all of that felt very exciting. And I went also went to the British Museum as a child and absorbed all of that. Like, but the, all that to say, like I was nostalgic for it and that like, oh yeah, that's what I thought that that life was. You know how some kids are into dinosaurs? Like I was into like archaeology and that type of stuff. So. All of that was like super exciting. And like Egypt, ancient Egypt is like sick as shit. Say what you want as far as like it's been washed over by Orientalism. Like it, what we think is like, ooh, cool, sexy ancient Egypt, gold body paint and like, you know, wearing snakes for bra. That is sick as shit, as is the real thing, as is the real civilization that existed is also very cool. I've also been to Egypt and like they play into that. 100%. They have to. It's a tourist economy. Like, they'll, like, take you on an Arabian ancient adventure. It's, like, I think probably the only other place that gets that treatment is, like, Greece. It's, like, that ancient world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I get it because it's, it is fascinating because, like, okay, before I went there, I was, like, yeah, that stuff is so, super cool. And then when you're there, it is, like, life-altering to see shit that that's, that's that old. And I know Americans, obviously, that's like a whole other thing because you don't have something nearby you that is that old at all, at all. There is nothing anywhere remotely close to that ancient. 
So I guess it's like, it's a damn shame, I suppose, that like, I don't know, racist tropes geared towards Arabs, North Africans, like that, that part of the world, Muslims, but like, they were like not Muslims in this movie because they were worshiping ancient gods for some reason in whatever 1920 turn of the century. And that's like a damn shame because I don't think that is true of other people who have evolved from ancient civilizations. Like they don't get like tied to their most interesting, most powerful, most well-connected empire, I suppose, in that way. And if they do, it's not like used against them. That is what American adventure action films are. All of their storytelling comes from an ancient civilization. What's interesting is that they also always, as like as introspective as they'll go, is essentially mocking Americans. Mocking Americans, mocking British people. I was surprised that this was an American film just because like the colonial gaze to me was so British, just because the British colonized <laughs> Egypt in a very particular way. And especially in regard to like archaeology and the, you know, all of that activity. That is something that I, I don't know, feels uniquely British that I wasn't expecting from an American film. Even they're like the way that the Arab characters were characterized is like a very British gaze. I also was surprised. I mean, I kind of assumed that big movies are all Hollywood, but yeah, I was, I thought it was more British as well. Even the humor of it was very much like, ooh, a bumbling Brit sense of humor. That's an American making fun of British people too. Like, I don't know if they would do that. It's a very, the, those stupid, annoying, brass, brazen, bold Americans are, is also like such an English thing to, to say. That's why I was like, oh, maybe it's um whatever. I don't know. But obviously, yeah, it's it's just, I mean, it's, it was hard to watch with the colonist gaze and see all Arab people in the, well, people, I say Arab and air bunnies because actually very light on the Arab casting in this movie. We have a biracial queen, Rachel Weiss. I want to talk about that. <laughs> what a reveal. She dropped that also in such a uniquely British way, which is like that obsession with like blood. Oh, it's in my blood. I was like, uh. It's in her blood and she's a reincarnation, no? Like both are the situation? An implied descendant. But I don't think they said it outright. I think you're just meant to think that because she like mentions that she's Egyptian. So we're like, oh, she must be a descendant. It was very manic pixie dream girl of her to be mixed in such a manner. And you know what? Sometimes I got confused what was a flashback and what was the 20s, which showed how like primitive like the Arab people are. I'm like, are we using bows and arrows in the ancient times or are we using them in the 20s? Even while making fun of Brits and Americans in that like way that Brits and Americans kind of jibe at each other across the, you know, um, Atlantic. It was still alongside, it was like, we can make fun of these people because we have these Arabs, like comic relief stock characters who are portrayed as like really stupid or greedy or even like super horny and like wanting to trade her for sex. So like, it's fine it, for them. It was like, oh, it's fine if we like point fun at each other because we have these obvious uncivilized people next to us. That was very much the, the comedic tone of it, which, like I said, without that, like nostalgic interpretation made it like, well, I don't know. It's just. I'm afraid I'm going at it with my big brain, you know, my big, like, mid-twenties, <laughs> big girl brain. What I was, like, most disappointed about on the rewatch, like, applying a little bit more of my big girl brain, the mistress's character could have had a really awesome character art. She, like, kills herself to, she's like, I'm not your temple anymore to the pharaoh. We then never see her again. If we'd seen them, like, reunited as well, her and Imhotep, they were just, like, the couple of the millennia. 
Well, I urge everyone to watch the sequel, despite <laughs> me not having any nostalgia for the first one and having, uh, you know, same objections as Louisa. I did watch the sequel the same week. I had to know if they, you know, got together. And like, no spoilers, but if you enjoy those aspects of the first, I think the second would um, close some some holes for you that would be satisfying. Mila has a very specific objection to a child character in the second. If you can get past that he's like precocious and does not act like an eight-year-old, you'll get a lot of hot ladies and also some uh, juicy ancient Egyptian plot that sort of gets left by the first movie that is like you know there, there's like they continue the romance that's all I'll say in a satisfying manner I agree with what you said about how you wish they, they that she had been reanimated the mistress I think that would have heightened the drama I needed to see a reunion I needed to see a longing kiss I needed because I never had it even in the first one we need to see them fuck there's a longing kiss in the second one I would call myself a hopeless romantic and I was just like can't I, I was like I don't want him to die I don't want you to break the curse I want to see him reunite with his lover I think you're all the enemy like you said Zeba you are this is a pr- your term this is a prime example of a white people did what wear movie and I'm a bit like why did you do that because I just I don't want you to break the curse I know that them being together will unleash the end of the world the end of days but I just want to see it cool me toxic I think that romantic relationships should take precedence over the rest of humanity i was rooting for rachel i mean rachel vice caused it all i was like loki like she's hot so i would try to save her but equally like her comeuppance should have been being the human sacrifice because this shit was all her fault like she's an egyptologist and she thought i'm gonna she could have just read it out and translated it in her head and she thought let me read aloud and see like i the way i would never be reading things i discover in the ground out loud just won't i don't know that they, they missed there's a gap in like the film's logic, if we can find any, in terms of like they create this backstory with the lovers and then it switches to it being like them being the very clear villains of the story. But they're not like the curse isn't even that bad. They did imply it would spread. That's why they had to stop it. And I was like, I get that. But equally, like these people were just they just want just let them bone. Um, I sent a picture in the group chat. I think his name's like Ardeth or something. The uh, leader of the pharaoh's oh, bodyguard so with the face tattoos. I love a face tattoo. You guys. Apparently, he was. This is another IMDb fact, which is that he was supposed to be covered. I think his character was supposed to be covered like fully in tattoos, like full face. I think, but the director thought he was too pretty to cover up like his face completely. Oh, wow, I agree with both. I agree with both. Gay people definitely were a part of the making of this movie. Gays are the backbone of cultural society. The amount of shit that we've lifted up through our horny, horny gays is incredible. We have to talk about the romance between What's-His-Face, Rick, and Evie. It doesn't start off on the most consensual of it's actively terms. not consensual. Force kiss. It's like explained away as like, oh, it's about to be hanged. So I was like, might as well get a little cheeky kiss. Like Captain Jack Sparrow, and they, I think they do similar shit in Pirates of the Caribbean. That's just an action movie kiss. Action movie kisses are never consensual because they're always um, powered by adrenaline. Okay, but I want to 
in high adrenaline situations. Granted, not that bad, but I still haven't thought, let me immediately kiss the person in front of me. Do you know what I mean? If you're not doing it right. Hmm. Okay, right. You haven't lived then. (laughs) I have to say, on the rewatch, I didn't care so much for them. Like, when I was younger, I, like, really liked them as a couple. So, I don't know. I mean, again, I feel like I can look at, like, other films where there's, like, problematic action kisses and whatnot. Um, I, or adventure films, I should say, as well. I can, like, get on board with because I saw them at a young enough age, like I said, to excuse it. But this one, again, I was just like, I don't know, it's sexist. Like, he, he treats, he's, like, this big burly man who treats her like she's stupid. And she is stupid, I'll give him that. As is he. Everyone there is stupid. We must remember, it's also the 20s. Yeah, that doesn't matter. I still wouldn't be, like, bumbling around knocking shit over and blowing up whole ancient burial sites. No, I was referring more to our expectations of breaking traditional gender roles. Of course. Okay, right. Well, sure. A damsel in distress. She's pretty useless. She knows her she knows her history, except for the fact that she keeps talking about the Pembridge scholars, which is so British colonial gaze it cannot. She's book smart, but she is absolutely not street smart. Like, overall, find it endearing because of that nostalgia factor. I'm just like, brain off. I guess that's fair. I can't fault you for that. Yeah, I can't imagine them with anybody but each other. Like, they seem well suited to each other. I mean, the final kiss, it was attractive. It was hot. It did what it needed to do. It gave what it was supposed to give. Yeah, I think it is funny that they... I don't know why she was in that, like... I don't know, skimpy. It wasn't skimpy, but that little white dress that she's in. And tomb raiding effectively like they put it in on her like oh this will help you blend in with the locals like embrace your egyptian side like you could not be more obvious about like trying to get her into a hot outfit right now and i so appreciate it yeah as in like it was not practical it's not culturally sensitive but did i enjoy it yeah because she looked hot i think i can discuss why i don't think it's particularly mon femme in the sense that a traditional mom femme, you might say, like, the mummy, if the mummy had been female, what would be, like, archaic mother, and then when she releases those little mummies that, like, bite and tear you apart, that would be archaic mother vibes. But the mummy is male, so it kind of throws that whole thing out the window, so I think there's quite an absence of mom femme in this film. It sort of feels like it definitely has something, I just... A little something. Do you know what I mean? It has something, but, like, maybe it's, like something outside of the archetypes like it just is a general vibe about the film thank you for listening to the monstrous feminine be sure to follow us on instagram soundcloud and spotify at the monstrous feminine podcast and on twitter at the monfem pod subscribe to our youtube channel rate and review us on apple Podcasts and spotify and follow us on tiktok at the monstrous feminine pod for podcast clips and more fun brooms up which is out